Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, you can hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me by ordering the memoir of Brian Grant and his battle with young-onset Parkinson's called Rebound. Order your copy on Amazon or visit your favorite brick-and-mortar bookstore to grab one. Are you a Kindle reader? Audiobook listener? We've got those versions as well. Support Brian's Foundation, which supports those afflicted with Parkinson's, and pick up your copy today. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram, at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA, and that is here. The topic of the day is Russell Westbrook, and my goal is to explain why his achievement of surpassing Oscar Robertson's career mark for triple-doubles the other night is not being lauded or recognized the way such an accomplishment might or should. And I'm going to try to do all that without having to say his full name, Russell Westbrook, more than the two times I already have. Because if you watched FS1 speak for yourself today, you may have heard all of us slipping and sliding, trying not to say Russell Westbrook and failing in several cases. But first, I want to get to a couple of observations from the Lakers-Knicks game. Since I'm doing a daily pod, I figure I can go both topical and notes columnize a little bit now and then. So let's hit the Tuesday night TNT crew first with Shaquille O'Neal, Adam Lefko, Dwayne Wade, and once upon a time, Candace Parker. Uh, she has left the crew in order to get back to her playing career in the WNBA. And I knew that Candace was good, but I didn't know how good and how vital to that crew because tonight was the first time that we had a chance to see them without her. And in my mind, she's the Kenny Smith of the Thursday night crew. She just brings a gravitas and asks all the right questions and has the basketball acumen and is able to translate it into insightful commentary. My one other request is that we not have players interviewing players. The conversation or the question and answer with Anthony Davis after the Lakers overtime win was embarrassing to the point that 
I had to turn it off. Shaq asks if how they feel, if they think they can get make it to the playoffs, if they have to play in a play-in game. And what's Anthony Davis going to say to that? No, we, we don't. That's why we want to avoid the play-in game. I mean, and then Dwayne Wade asks a gratuitous question in the form of, uh, AD, tell us just how hard it is to come back and play and get back in game shape from an injury. I don't know what AD's answer was because at that per- point I turned it off. It was just too gratuitous to tell us how hard it is being an NBA player. At the very least, have a production assistant or somebody get in their ear. There's a reason that they have earpieces. Get in their ear and feed them a quality question. Because the truth is, is that players have a code. And former players, in many cases, still stick to it. Which is, don't ask me anything that might force me to give something away. Don't ask me tough questions. Don't ask me to give you true insight into what's going on. But that's why we're asking these questions. That's why it's part of the deal, right? I mean, otherwise, don't bother. I would much rather have the players just joke around and be funny. I'm good with that. That's at least entertaining. Questions that are guaranteed not to elicit any sort of a meaningful response. Really, why bother? The other subject I wanted to hit is Tom Thibodeau, New York Knicks head coach. Because in the previous podcast, I spent a good deal of time, in fact, the entire time, talking about load management and how most people don't understand exactly what it is or what it entails or how it works. And uh, look, I was already, and I still may, put Tom Thibodeau at the top of my ballot for Coach of the Year because of the impact that he's had on the New York Knicks, Julius Randle in particular. But I will say that tonight gave me pause because we saw the worst instincts of Tibbs. He does not believe in load management, or if he does, he certainly resists it. And tonight was a classic example. He clearly, desperately wanted to get this win tonight, and it was there for the taking. But he went too far. And he went too far with 32-year-old Derrick Rose, who is an old 32. His injury history is very well known. Tibbs played D. Rose from 521 left in the third quarter all the way through the overtime with one 20-second break subbing in Frank Nilakina and then having a Knicks timeout. That was the only break other than between quarters and a couple of other timeouts. 22 and a half minutes of straight playing and resulting in a season high of 39 minutes. All to get this one win against the Lakers. All to say that he went four and two rather than three and three on this six-game road trip. If you watch the game, you saw a couple things. One, Rose was absolutely gassed. It took all his veteran savvy to manufacture points from the the free throw line and hitting a big three late in regulation to help them force overtime. Julius Randle hit 
a big three as well. Showed you a few other things. This team is as dependent on D. Rose coming off the bench to make plays and to hit big shots as it is Julius Randle. I don't want to hear about Julius Randle being an MVP candidate. He's maybe their best player, but they need a lot from a lot of different places. And this is a perfect example, his matchup against AD. He played AD fairly even. I'll give him that. But when it came to making a big shot, making a big play, he failed more often than he succeeded, even in one-on-one situations or just getting himself into bad places. Now, some of that is because he hasn't played uh, that role uh, too many times prior to this. And Derrick Rose was not good at times either, turning the ball over. But And maybe it was with Randall too. It was a matter of fatigue because I don't remember him being off the floor too much down the stretch. That's a problem. That's a problem with a team as ultimately fragile or dependent on its two stars in D. Rose and Julius as much as this Knicks team is. Why sacrifice, potentially sacrifice them, Rose in particular, for this one win? But that's the way Tibbs operates. It's on a night-by-night basis. It's not looking at the big picture. And just looking at Rose the way he was beat up by the end of that game. I mean, every time he went down, I was worried that he was going to come up limping and not be able to finish. Because, let's face it, we've seen that with him before. It just wasn't a gamble worth taking at this stage of the season to get one win. I mean, this is, this is all gravy for the Knicks at this point. Okay, so you don't trust Nilakina. Give R.J. Barrett a shot. Or, and this is another shortcoming with Tibbs, manufacture some offense someplace else rather than just looking for Rose or Randall to go one-on-one or create something. I mean, there was no there was no X's and O's. There was no special sets being run down the stretch. And Tibbs is not known for that. But at this point, if you're going to be a Coach of the Year candidate, if you expect the Knicks to go somewhere, you need to have that in your bag. Big picture, it's going to be hard for the Knicks to advance. Appreciate this season Appreciate they're in the postseason and some young players like Quickly and R.J. Barrett get a taste of, of the playoffs and you get to see how they respond to that kind of atmosphere and pressure, whether they have the kind of game that it can expand, that they can expand on that platform. It's valuable in that way. But don't get your hopes up that wherever the Knicks are seated, that they're somehow going to make a postseason run. Not when you're counting on Randall and this Derrick Rose at age 32 to be your go-to guys at crunch time in the playoffs to win four games out of seven. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now about Westbrook surpassing Oscar and the suggestion by his head coach, Scott Brooks, and others that Westbrook's excellence is not appreciated as much as it should be. That may be true, but there's two simple reasons why. The first, Russ doesn't get respect because he doesn't give respect. Whether it's talking to the media or going to battle with an opponent, Russ is often sneering and dismissive, or at least that's the impression that he gives, as if they're not worthy of being in his space. Now, there are other players that have got away with that sort of condescension. Kobe could be like that, as could Jordan. But they backed it up, not with stats, but with wins and championships. That's what I find interesting about Russ, because he has, for the longest time, been known as a fashionista for his outfits that he wears on the podium and has been outrageous when it came to that so he clearly has an image consultant and yet he has an image problem it's at least a contributing factor to why he doesn't get the respect that his at least statistical accomplishments would merit the second reason Russ struggles balancing his attack mode with facilitating, in part because his solution to everything is to play faster. And as arguably the fastest player in the league, it's not a tempo that works for the rest of the team. It also impacts his decision-making because if he's going 100 miles an hour, he has less time to take everything in than if he were going 75 or 50. And anyone who has watched FS1 has heard me explain how I distinguish between stars and superstars in the NBA. Stars fill their stat line. Superstars fill everybody else's stat line. And theirs. Now, anyone who saw my work for ESPN also knows there was a time when Russ and Kevin Durant were in Oklahoma City that I considered Westbrook the better player. Largely because Westbrook had the task of finding his offense and making sure he left room and opportunity for KD to get his. KD's four scoring titles in Oklahoma City were proof that Russ was successful. I pushed back on the popular notion that Russ was selfish and that if KD could only play with a true pass-first point guard, he'd be so much better. He'd be able to do so much more. I don't think Russ has ever been selfish. When he played with Paul George... He gave him enough room. The PG was an MVP candidate for a time before an injury got in the way. He was as accommodating playing with James Harden in Houston. But his own game suffered with the Rockets because it was sort of all or none. Some of that had to do with Harden not being his best off the ball. It's no accident that now that Westbrook is reunited with someone as talented catching and shooting as Bradley Beal that he's averaging double-digit assists again. All of which makes Russ a quasi-superstar, or superstar-adjacent. 
Pair him with another great player, and he makes for a great one-two punch. But he's not an orchestrator. When we broached this subject on FS1, Chris Broussard suggested Russ gets respect, just not the respect reserved for champions. Emmanuel Acho asked then why Chris Paul seems to get more respect than Westbrook when CP3 doesn't have a ring either. The answer is CP3 is an orchestrator, an efficient one. You can count on him to make a solid, per, a solid percentage of his shots, both inside and outside the three-point arc, even though age has clearly reduced his mobility. He doesn't get really big numbers for himself, but he gets decent numbers for himself, and he gets numbers for everybody else. That's why you can also count on him either to take a high percentage shot or get the ball to someone who can, all without giving the ball away. His assist-to-turnover ratio is one of the best in the league. Russ is leading the league in assists, but he's barely over 2-1 to assist-to-turnovers, and that has been the case. 3-1 to one, uh, has been the case his entire career. 3-1 to one is the standard. Three assists to one turnover is the standard for a point guard. Uh, Russ has never achieved that. And anything over 3-1 to one is good. Anything less is not. It's Russ's shooting percentages that truly mystify me. Honestly. Because I think he's... I look at his form, his overall game. There's no reason that he should be as erratic as he is. He's so electric getting to the rim and aggressive and looking for easy transition buckets that you would expect him to shoot close to 50% overall. And the threat of him scoring on blow-bys should be enough to give him space to knock down a decent percentage of his three-point shots. Players, in general, improve their jump shooting accuracy as they age, in part because they rely on it more to score, in part because they simply have done it long enough that they just naturally improve. But not Russ. There is no discernible arc or growth in his shooting. He has been in the playoffs 10 times. The first time in 2010. His second year in the league when he was 21 years old. The numbers are impressive for a guy that young seeing the postseason for the first time. He shot 47% overall. 41% from three-point range. Uh, free throws, 84%. Average six rebounds, six assists, only 2.3 turnovers, and 20 and a half points. Ten years later, last year with the Houston Rockets, he shot 42% overall, 24% from three-point range, 53% from from the free throw line. He averaged one more rebound, but one and a half less assists and one and a half more turnovers. Oh, and two and a half less points. 10 years later, significantly worse than the first time that he appeared in the playoffs. That's not how it generally works. He shot a career high last season regular season 
47%, in part because he reduced the number of threes he was taking. But this year, he's shooting about the same amount of threes, actually making them at a better clip, but his overall percentage has gone down. His three-point shooting has been completely erratic from year to year, sometimes rising over 30%, sometimes sinking below it. My belief is the biggest thing in Westbrook's way is something he said after he broke Oscar's record. I will never change. He is bound and determined to prove everybody wrong. About what? I suppose that he can be successful playing his way. Even though he's 32 and at this point he hasn't been that successful doing it, certainly hasn't as far as winning a championship. But maybe that's not his goal. Maybe he wants to prove he can be a great player without winning a championship, but doing it his way. All I know is this. There is a fine line between being stubborn and determined. Michael Jordan was stubborn, but he was also determined to win championships. He was an electric individual player. But in order to lead a team to a title, he had to change. Kobe Bryant was an electric individual player and won championships where he could be an assassin and leave making everybody else better to Shaq. Then he had to change in order to be the sole leader of championship teams. And he did. Bottom line is they were both willing to change. Russ's mantra is, why not? And that's what I want to know. Why not change? It worked for the guy whose shoes you wear and it worked for a guy in Kobe where I know there was mutual admiration. Why not? Whenever this pandemic is over and one-on-one -on -one conversations are a possibility, I hope to ask Russ that very question. I'll let you know what I find out. That does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please, please, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Haven't seen a new rating or review in a while? Please, if you haven't done so, let us know how we're doing. It would be much appreciated. Not sure where we're going in the next podcast. We may get into why the rash of injuries that the Lakers are suffering is really not that unusual. I'll explain. Or maybe something else will come up that supersedes it. In any case, there will be another podcast. And in the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 